back to the Collegiate Sports Podcast. I am your host, not Joey Aliberti. It's Colin McCarthy, frequently contributing to Joey's Collegiate Sports Podcast. And now we're hosting the hockey episode of the Collegiate Sports Podcast. First one of the year. I'm joined by my fellow beat writers, Sophie and Kayla. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing solid. How are you today? Fantastic. I'm good. Ready to go. Hell yeah. Are we just going to jump into UMass hockey stuff? How are we feeling? Why the heck not? Yeah, sure. so there's a lot to go over here. We're going to split this podcast up into five five distinct parts. Uh, but first, I want to talk about the the new faces and sort of the people who are leaving the program. Uh, a lot of a lot of movement in and out of the program these last two years. There aren't many people left who won a national championship in 2021. I think there's only eight or nine from what I counted, plus Greg Carville, obviously. Uh, we had Bobby Trevino, obviously a huge person leaving. Uh, Matt Kessel and Josh Lapina, they also signed pro contracts. Colin Felix is with the Phantoms. Love that for him, uh, where his dad also coached. Uh, we've got Anthony Delgaizo, Garrett Waite, uh, obviously his injury, really devastating news. Ty Farmer, Oliver McDonald, all those people are gone. The grad students from last year are all gone. And maybe the most notable outside of Bobby, or more so than Bobby, Jared DeMichael is gone. Uh, just quickly, I don't want to harp on it too much, but what do you guys make of all, all the losses so far? It's definitely going to be a new year. I think it's um, hard to judge what the team's going to look like so early on because there's so many new faces. But from what I've, what I've read and seen from recruiting, it does still look like a promising year. I, I wouldn't you know, count them out just yet, even with losing all those people. I think you're definitely losing really big leadership. You know, Bobby was so big with it being a leader, but I, like Sophie said, I think the freshmen are really going to come in and do great things. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. We're, we're thinking of this as like, this is like a, a step back, but really, UMass is still ranked number 10 in the country in the preseason polls, uh, and there's still a lot of promise. We're going to talk about in just a second all the freshmen that are coming in, all the new players that are coming in that should be able to make a pretty big impact. And I'm definitely excited to see what this team looks like because there's such a – it's so fresh. It doesn't feel like uh, last year's team at all. It definitely doesn't feel like the national championship team. Those are the teams that I covered, so obviously those are the only ones that I know. But it's like kind of a wild card, and we know that they're going to be – like the baseline for UMass hockey is basically like good to great, right? Like that's the baseline at this point with Greg Carville and with all the recruiting they have. Uh, but like seeing how good they are, can they – do what they did last year. Can they make it into the NCAA tournament? Can they go far in the NCAA tournament? We're going to talk about all that. Uh, but let's dive into the, the new players here, okay? We got, we got some freshmen, some new freshmen. Noah Ellis and Cole O'Hara, probably the two most notable. Uh, we've got Mikey Adamson, uh, Kennedy O'Connor, Kenny Connors. Those two names I'm going to mix up quite a bit. <laughs> Just going to let you all know now. Uh, we've got Owen Murray, Michael Cameron, and Tyson Dick. Those are the new freshmen. I'm which, which of those sort of stand out to you guys so far from anything that you've read about him? I, I think the most notable one is Cole O'Hara, um, obviously going fourth in the draft to the Nashville Predators. You know, you got a high pick there. Um, and I think it's um, just going to be a good addition, especially, again, you're losing Bobby. I mean, you're losing your entire first line of forwards right there. So you're going to need people to step in and start to make an impact. And as we've seen from Carville in the past, it's, it's not about how many years you've been there. It's about what impact you're going to make. Uh, so it could be we could easily see a freshman right up there. I mean, we saw Ryan Efko alongside Matt Kessel in the starters mm-hmm. last year. So I think that um, he's definitely probably one of the most notable names. And 
he'll make an impact. I, I don't think anyone's kind of second-guessing that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think Cole O'Hara is going to immediately be in the top six. Like, I think yeah. he's going to be on the first or second line right away. Agreed. Partly because of how good he is, partly because, like you said, they lost their whole first line. Uh, you assume that the top line is going to probably become Cal, Keefuk, Eric Faith, and Reed Lebster, and that opens up the second line for basically anybody. Uh, it, that literally is totally a wild card, so I can definitely see him playing in the top six for the entire year, starting even week one, which is not something that always happens with freshmen. Obviously, they get you know these notable guys come in. Scott Morrow and Ryan Upko made an impact pretty immediately. But outside of that, like there's only like one or two per year, and I think Cole O'Hara could definitely be one of those two per year. Uh, what do you think, Kayla? Um, I definitely agree. And kind of just looking at, like, his stats and, like, kind of just him online, like, he seems to very much embody kind of what Carvel sees in a person. Like, he um, very much um, took time with his development, like, and he did what was best for him. And I think that's something that Carvel loves to see. He mm -hmm. also said prior to the season, like, that um, Cole Harris clearly has size and can skate, which he said about a lot of players. But it's – I mean – when he says someone can skate, like he doesn't just mean the basics. He said that about a lot of guys in his program, and we've seen a lot of those guys have success. Um, so um, he's going to contribute high on offense, and he'll make plays while scoring. So, um, you know, losing those top-line guys, you're going to need people to fill in, especially on the scoring. So Carvel expects him to be one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding for his game tape for sure. Uh, Kayla, is there anybody else that you had in mind for um, these freshmen? I think Noah Ellis, he seems pretty good just from, like, he, um, with his last season with the Lumberjacks, he logged 33 points, and that was with eight goals and 25 assists, so he's definitely going to be a playmaker and make an impact early on. Mm -hmm. Definitely going to add to the back end a lot. Obviously, their back end is always good, which is great to have freshmen coming into a back end that's already well-established, but obviously, you do lose a couple pretty key back end guys, Colin Felix, Ty Farmer, and Matt Kessel, uh, so there's spaces for these younger guys to come in, I definitely think he's going to be one of those that sort of comes in and makes, like, I think he's going to make an impact the same way that um, Cole O'Hara is, except on the defensive end. Definitely a good call there. Yeah. And then uh, I think also Kennedy O'Connor is probably going to make a lot of plays. He's not as notable as the other two that we've already talked about. Uh, but like I said, three spots in the defense. I think he's almost a lock to fill one of them. He seems super impressive to me from what I've seen uh, in his tape and uh, what I've heard about him. Definitely seems like another guy that they're gonna they're gonna be able to add in, maybe pair him along like Aaron Bollinger or something to get him like up to speed. Uh, but that the back end is going to be, I think, really good once again. It's gonna be super young, but the I mean the playmaking ability and just the level of talent they have there is like unmatched to me. I think he's a lot of heart for UMass, too. I mean, he's a local kid. He's from Springfield. His dad played for UMass. So right there, you have that family connection that's going to make him want to succeed um, at UMass specifically. The main thing for him is just going to be staying out of that penalty box. He had a, <laughs> was a 101 minutes, was it last year? Yep. Um, alone. So as long as you know he can stay out of there and contribute, he, he definitely is going to play with his heart, like I said, and just... Don't make it go – don't give them the power play. <laughs> yeah, definitely going to be a huge thing. Uh, we saw that with Taylor last year where he couldn't stay out of the penalty yeah. box, and that definitely hurt him. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. But you know what? Another guy who, who couldn't stay out of the penalty box his freshman year, Bobby Trevino. Like, so these guys, these guys can grow for sure. 
I want to move on now and, and quickly talk about some of the transfers. Obviously not as many. We've got Cole Brady, Matt Koopman, Josh Nodley, and Elliot McDermott. I think the two notable ones here are probably Koopman and Brady. Uh, Cole Brady more so because we don't know anything about what the goaltending situation is going to look like. <laughs> Uh, and then Matt Koopman, because that's a Hockey East transfer. Like, that's a big get for them. He has experience. I uh, didn't look him up a ton before this, but I remember, like, his name jumping out to me when UMass would play Providence. Is Providence where he came from? Yeah, he came from Providence. Yeah. Yeah. He scored uh, against UMass in the Hockey East quarterfinals yeah, this he, last year. He jumps out as, like, a huge – yeah, let's talk about him first. Like, I think that's a really big get mm-hmm. for UMass to get that – caliber of a player who's already used to playing hockey east there's definitely no substitute for playing hockey east uh every freshman that comes in says you have to like really up the physicality and it's like a it's a learning curve so the fact that they got him internally is a a huge deal what do you guys think his the expectations for him sort of should be i think he i think i'm I'm expecting him to be a leader on and off the ice with that experience from hockey east and playing 113 games with providence he's definitely going to be a leader off the ice and I think he's definitely going to make an impact on the ice with scoring and all of that I mean like you said Colin I think getting someone from hockey is so important because they it's no it's no big adjustment besides just you know switching schools that's a pretty big adjustment but (laughs) looking at it from like the standpoint of both switching schools and into a new league like many of the other transfers this time he's just got to focus on that He's also going to know a little bit more about like how Providence thinks and how they're going to play, which he can help then bring when they face off because Providence has always proven to be low-scoring games. And, you know, it, it's anyone's game in those ones. Um, anyone from Hockey East is, but I, I specifically remember Providence was always a tough, mm-hmm. tough one yeah, last year. Very. Oh, the last two years they always played them super close. They had one, like, 8 nothing blowout game uh, <laughs> when UMass came off a COVID break. Other than that, it was like – everything was a tie or it was a one goal game it was absurd the way that these two teams play each other and like that's a good point to make too he's not just coming from hockey east he's coming from the team who played umass the most competitively in hockey east over the last two years for sure uh, he's another guy i i said it about cole o'hara i think he's another guy that could end up in the top six and carve doesn't usually in my experience like to put too many new guys like into the top six but I could really see Cole O'Hara and Koopman because Koopman is a new guy to UMass's system, but he's not a new, he's not a new player or anything. I could see him being sort of the mentoring figure on a line with Cole O'Hara and like Lucas Mercury, for example. Like I think that that could end up being a really good second line, uh, and definitely for sure. Uh, and then I want to talk about Cole Brady because <laughs> I don't like. I don't know if you guys are in the same boat, but I don't know what to make of Cole Brady. He's coming from Arizona State. He's a huge goaltender. He's like 6'6". I've seen him on campus. It's like insane how tall he is. Um, But we know nothing about the goaltending situation. This is not the situation we were in last year where it was Matt Murray, Matt Murray, Matt Murray, all the time Matt Murray. Like we saw Luke for two games and he looked good, I'd say. But like, did he jump out ever with a save that he made? No. Uh, And Cole is coming from one of the worst teams in college hockey. <laughs> like, like they're, right. they're yeah, but they're like they're not on the standard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out. I'm curious if you guys have either predictions on how this is gonna play out or thoughts on Cole Brady overall. Like what is happening here? Um looking at Cole Brady, um I was looking at his stats from Arizona State and UMass is playing Denver and Cole Brady played Denver and allowed eight goals in his first game against Denver. So I don't know. I think Luke might 
look like a better option in that area. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so hard to tell right now. I mean, you know, like Greg Carvel will never give anything away about the goaltending situation, and we could see something where it's switching off. Um, at least in the first few games, I wouldn't be surprised if no exact starters named, and we're mm-hmm. seeing a little bit of Cole Brady. We're seeing Luke. We're seeing hey, we've not even seen Henry Graham getting his shot in goal. Like. I don't think he's he's going to give everyone that fair chance right off the bat in those early games before mm-hmm. he makes something. Because losing Matt Murray after so many years was a huge loss that I think changes the entire look of the defensive end of this for UMass. And mm-hmm. that's like where you have to start before you can even look to advance further in the field. Absolutely. The I have a very specific prediction to make about Cole Brady uh, and Luke. Luke Pavisic as well. I think that they are going to, well, I obviously think they're going to play exactly 50-50 in the scrimmage on October 1st. Mm -hmm. And then I think that Luke is going to start at AIC and probably play the Mm -hmm. whole game. And I think he's going to start the first Denver game. And then I think that first Denver game is going to be the feeler. If UMass gets really outplayed or if Luke plays bad, they might make the switch to Cole for the second game uh, just to see the look of both of them. But I think that I, I agree with you, Kayla. I think that Luke ha- probably has the upper hand right now, even though he's less experienced. Uh, so I would say that I think Luke will probably start the first two games, and they're going to play it by year. If he has an out-of-his-mind game against Denver that first game, that might win him the job for like the season or for like an extended period of time because it really is that up in the air right now. Uh, and I, I don't know, like, I, I still don't know what to make of it, but that is my super specific prediction. I, w- I just want to jump in. Um, I also, you have to think about the culture of UMass hockey. I mean, Matt Murray fit that, um, to a T throughout his years, uh, playing for UMass. And even though it was only a year, you know, you have Luke who had the opportunity to play, um, as a backup for Matt Murray and learn from him and get to play alongside him. So I think uh, once again, that's another huge upper hand to have. Because you know how, like, how he's regarded among how Matt Murray is regarded on the team. So, um, having someone who maybe knows his style of play, who's learned something from him, is going to be um, a huge like opportunity for Luke to build upon mm-hmm. and use to his advantage. Well, and I remember um, against LIU after Luke played that, he did a he had a pretty good game. Carve said like, Luke's gaining my trust, and like I think that's only going to grow this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I want to talk quickly about the two new coaches UMass hired before we move on to our next segment here. Uh, we've got Tom, Up- Tom Upton and Jacob Pritchard, two distinctly different people. Tom Upton is a USHL guy, uh, huge in the USHL. So that's a that's a big get for them recruiting-wise. Obviously, Ben Barr and Jared DeMichael are incredible recruiters, so losing them each of the last two seasons, losing both of them is, is huge. And Carve needed to replace it. He obviously went out and did that. Jacob Pritchard, though, I don't know what to make of his recruiting aspects of his game. I think he's there more for personal trust and for uh, like his hockey experience because he played for Carvel uh, for, f- I f- believe, five years. I believe he played four at St. Lawrence yeah. and then took a grad year at UMass. Uh, so he has the, the tenure with Greg Carvel that goes back a long time. Greg loves the guys that he can trust. He loves being around guys that he can trust, and Jacob certainly fits that bill. Uh, I'm curious just you guys' quick-hitting thoughts on those two hires. I, I think for at least with Jacob Pritchard, one of the things you're saying he has a huge level of trust. Carvel always preaches that he likes the guys who stay around longer, who develop themselves and learn the game before like trying to move up. And with Jacob coming to play his fifth year at UMass is 
right there what he what Carvel always preaches and talks about. So I think that's going to contribute a lot to why he has so much trust in him. But I think that um, Tom Upton is a really incredible, incredible like get on the um, coaches in front, and I'm excited to see what happens. And so, well, with Pritchard, you know, he has that experience in Hockey East. I think Hockey East is a hard um, division to play in, and having that experience and like being able to coach the players with the Hockey East is really important. Tom, Up- Tom Upton, like Sophie said, he's really just a really good hire. He, you know, just being a GM and head coach in the USHL and even coaching a few times in the AHL, he really has that experience that UMass needs. Mm-hmm. Could not agree more. I think that's a really good way to fill out the coaching tree with Carvel. Carvel, obviously, being the mastermind. Tom is going to be a really good go-to in terms of his experience and his recruiting. Jacob is that that sort of younger guy. He can resonate with the players, I think, a little better, and he has that experience too. I think that's a really, really good coaching career that they have established. Uh, but now let's let's move on here. I want to talk about what you guys think the biggest strength and biggest weakness is for UMass Hockey in 2022. Let's start with the strength first. We'll, we'll play positive. Uh, let's Let's just go around. What, what do we think the biggest strength is for this team? I think the biggest strength is even though it's a young team, I think those players are going to make impacts early like Cole O'Hara. So I think having a good recruiting class is going to make a really big impact on UMass. Mm-hmm. I think with such a new and you know young team, UMass now has like the advantage of a surprise going in. You know, everyone knew their players from the national championship run and a lot of those guys returned last year. So you have going into this year a bunch of new guys who aren't so well known around hockey east and with the freshmen with the transfers so i definitely think that that's going to be a huge strength for them is just to show a new side to them Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that you guys both brought that up especially you sophie because that was something that i was just thinking of literally right now before you said it is like this team is kind of a wild card to people you assume that they're going to be good but we don't know how good nobody knows how good there isn't like college hockey game tape of some of these players that are going to be notable like Cole O'Hara, uh, Noah Ellis, guys like that, these freshmen that are coming in and playing big roles. Like no people aren't going to know what to make of them and I feel like the other thing that that adds into is like the underdog mentality. La- like Carville talked about it all last year, you have to white boy the national championship. It's pretty hard to wipe away a national championship. Like, it's not just something you can do. And they learned that the first week when they played Minnesota State. You can't just like flick a switch and it's gone. But now that you have so many players that didn't even experience that, I think it is gone. And the guys that have experienced it, like Cal, Reed, and Eric, you have to imagine that they're actually hungry now because they were never a part of a team that got bounced out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. They, like... And nobody in nobody in this program knows what losing feels like anymore, except for now that like the standard is so high that the losing mentality is because they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Like that's impressive, but they're gonna be hungry for more. They're gonna be hungry for more. Their freshman seasons got canceled when they looked like they were gonna make a national championship run. Their sophomore year they won the national championship. Junior year, if you're not making it back at least to the Frozen Four, you're feeling like you didn't do enough. So I think that the the hunger is back, and I think that the mystery, the mystery is there. I think that's a really, really good recipe for success this season. I mean, you talk about hunger, and you have, you know, these returning guys like Cal and all them who, well, yes, they were on that national championship team. Like, 
who was it that got the most attention from those wins? Because I don't think it was those guys. It was others. Mm-hmm. So they want to prove themselves. They want to prove like, yeah, well, we were part of the reason that that happened. Mm-hmm. And as leaders on this team, as the older guys on this team, they now have the opportunity to influence those freshmen and be like, yeah, well, you know that this program has won a hockey, like a national championship in the past. You guys haven't. Let's go mm-hmm. and let's go work our butts off and see what happens. Absolutely. I also went for the slam dunk in this segment. The only time that I went for a slam dunk in any of the things that we're going to talk about. <laughs> I said that UMass's strength this year is their defense because it is. They're, it's always <laughs> their strength. They And they need it now more than ever. Carve always says preseason media, and he's going to say it again this preseason. He wants to win games 3-2. If he can score three goals and let up only two goals, they're doing something right. If he can let up only one, it's going to be a lot better. I think Scott Morrow is going to – like I think Scott Morrow and Ryan Ufko are going to be players to watch because I think that Scott Morrow probably looked at his game and said, I need to add a little bit more defense to this. And Ryan Ufko looked at his game and was like, I sh- probably could add more offense if I wanted to, right? They're going to come back this year for their sophomore years, having already played in Hockey East, and they might be on a line together, but they will if they're on the top defensive line, they're going to be one of the best defensive lines in college hockey. Like, no doubt in my mind. And that's like just two of the people. You've got Aaron Bollinger coming back. You've got transfers. You've got other freshmen that are making an impact. Like, I think that this is going to be such a solid defense again this year. We saw um, Ryan Ufko and Scott Morrow playing together a little bit last year. They were key members on the power play and penalty kills. Um, they were um, they were playing a lot together. So, and you know, I think we were all saying it last year that they were kind of the future of the defense from an early moment, you know, from early on in the season. And I think that that still holds true to now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Kenny O'Connor. I know we already talked about it, but I think the fact that Carvel compared him to Colin Felix, who he trusted mm-hmm. so much, is so big. And yes, he has the penalty minutes, but I do think he'll add that grit that you mess. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to be the pair with Aaron Bollinger, especially because of that Colin Felix comparison. Like, I think those two are going to go hand-in-hand. Hand. Aaron Bolger's at the place now where he can be a leader for somebody. And, you, I mean, I hate the Matt Kessel and Zach Jones comparisons to the Ryan Ufko, Scott Morrow line because I feel like everybody just goes, well, that guy's big, so Matt <laughs> Kessel. And this guy's small, so Zach Jones. Uh, smaller, I should say. But, like, that's not – their play styles aren't exactly that way. Uh, when it was Matt Kessel and Zach Jones, Zach was the offensive guy as the smaller guy. And in this case, it's Scott Morrow. Scott Morrow is like the, I'm going to get into the offensive zone and do a spin move and take a shot. And somehow <laughs> it's going to go in. Like cause that's He what was he known does. for those spin like, moves. The spin moves are incredible. His offensive skill set is incredible. Uh, so I think that they're a little bit different than Matt Kessel and Zach Jones. But the point that I'm trying to make is Matt Kessel and Zach Jones ended up coming in and playing their sophomore seasons together. And it made both of them way better. And Carve talked about that with me when we were talking about Matt Kessel at the end of the season, that year transformed both of them. And I think that the same exact thing is going to happen with Ryan Ufko and Scott Morrow if they end up playing together full-time. They obviously played on the power play and the penalty kill, and they looked great there. It's going to, like, them being the top line of the defense and then Aaron Bollinger and a guy like Kennedy Connor, like, it, it just looks so good on paper. And I think that it's going to show up on the game day too. Not to mention that uh, I think Colin Felix touched fair share amount of time in that penalty box as well last year. So if you're getting compared to him, I mean, it's clear that the reason he ends up so much is physicality, and that was something Colin Felix was brought to the team that was unmatched by anyone else. He mm-hmm. was so physical on defense, so I think that having someone who 
embodies that same kind of play style is gonna is what they need. Absolutely. Uh, let's go on to the biggest weakness uh, this season. Where where do we think the weaknesses lie? Let's let's unpack it. Not having that top line is gonna be really big. I think you know you have Bobby Trevino with scoring, and then you have Josh Lapine on the faceoffs. I think the faceoffs is gonna be interesting to see because I think that's such a big thing that they were UMass was so proud of last year. And then obviously Garrett Waite, he was he kind of he was there on assist and goals. So I think not having that top line will be a little hard. Absolutely. I would just like to say Kayla and I talked about this earlier, so I had a very similar take on this. <laughs> um, no, I'm gonna go and focus in more on the scoring. Um, finding that key player once again. I know we'll touch on that a little bit later as well, but um, <laughs> one of the later segments. But um, I, I just think you, you're you losing Bobby Trevino up top, and that's a kind of player that I've never heard Greg Carville say such positive, positive things about. So him as a goal scorer, him as an offensive player, him as a defenseman, like working his way back, it's just going to be finding someone who, because who one is the top scorer and two who can do a bit of everything, mm-hmm. not just meaning like, as he was as like a because ca- he was a captain and he had that C on his jersey. I mean, the way he played was someone that when he was on the ice, you took notice immediately, and you're like, you didn't have to say like, where's it, whose number is that? You knew who it mm-hmm. was. Yeah, I feel like every year since Carve has been here, there's been like an obvious like top couple scores that you know are going to make plays. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Kale, it was John Leonard, uh, and John Leonard definitely exploded more than people expected him to, but he was he, he was great. And Bobby Trevino, right after that, like, the expectation was there. If you look through this lineup, and we're going to try and pick a scoring leader, but if you look through this lineup right now, it's hard to pick a scoring leader because there isn't, like, that one guy where you just know that it's going to be them. Like, you... We can't, like, it's so hard to tell. So I think that that's definitely one of their biggest weaknesses. Uh, the one that I said here also that we already talked about a little bit is goaltending. Uh, and I just, like, I want to bring it back even more because when you have Philip Lindbergh and you have Matt Murray uh, for five years between the two of them straight, like, you never, like, there were always questions of which one of them was going to start. But it wasn't because we didn't know anything about them. It was because they were both so good and pushing each other that you wondered, well, who's going to who's gonna be the guy? And it was Philip Lindbergh for some time. It was Matt Murray for some time. And now, like, you're looking at the, the goaltending situation from a different perspective because you're wondering who's going to start, but it's not in a great way. It's like we don't know enough about Luke or Cole or Henry Graham. Could Henry Graham be the starting goaltender? We literally don't know anything about that room right now. And that, to me, makes it the biggest weakness because we at least know something about the forwards and we, we, we don't know a scoring leader, but we have possible suspects in there. I, if Luke plays bad, I don't know what Cole looks like. I don't know what Henry Graham looks like. It's going to be really, really tough for them to make a run without a goaltender. That's something that they have never had to do before. They've always had a guy. Cole, I think Cole adjusting to hockey East especially is going to be hard because it's definitely different than Arizona State <laughs> and, and Hockey East. You're you're facing shots constantly and you're facing hard shots, so it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's all in the mystery. Who knows? Maybe they'll take like a forward throw in net. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have faith that anything, you know, anything. Yeah. 
Carve did joke around about throwing Ty Farmer in that last season uh, <laughs> when he was going yes. and playing forward and all this stuff. So you never know. Maybe those threats will come to light. You have to hope that they won't. But crazier things have happened, you know? Take one of the take one of the captains or assistant captains, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, throw could, we'll throw Eric Faith. We'll throw Jerry Harding. I could see Jerry Harding being a, like a sneaky good goalie, actually. <laughs> Honestly, I want to see them play popcorn, but with Jerry Harding in goal instead of one of the actual goalies. That would be funny. Uh, Let's let's move on here. We're going to dive into the next segment, and that's going to be on the players to watch. For this, I want to I want to have us say our players like one at a time and just really talk about each one that we think could make an impact uh, and sort of open up the conversation about it. Uh, And I'm going to have Sophie start. Uh, So for players to watch, I'm going to go with Reed Lebster on this one. Reed's coming off a like a very solid junior year. He played on the second line, was a staple on that second line. Um, UMass went through a lot of injuries last year, but he kind of remained that one kind of solid spot there on the offensive line. And the second line, I remember there were multiple nights where we were all a little like, it's that second line that's really pulling the game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a large part, large part of that. Um, and, of course, his goal celebrations were – <laughs> unmatched um no i mean he had a career high 18 points with nine goals and nine assists last year so right there um hint hint i think he might be the scoring champion but that's for a later segment yeah um for sure for sure I, I, yeah but i'm not saying that now um saving that one for the next part uh no i i think that he's definitely going to be someone people are going to want to watch out for and Again, you also, with such a new team, he's kind of that one. He's one of those few guys on there that are coming back that know the culture of UMass hockey and that, you know, we know how he plays. Yeah, Reed is, I think, one of the guys with, like, the biggest upside on the team. Like, his – I don't think people have gotten to see it on full display, at least not Mm -hmm. consistently, but he is such a good offensive player, so underrated in the offensive zone. He can make some plays that there are not many people on this team that can make. Uh, and if he has a breakout season, like, he could do incredible yeah. things for them. He could wind up being the scoring champion. Like, I, I definitely could see that happening. Like, he's – and Carve has talked about him to me for the last, like, two years of, like, just waiting to see what he can do. And sometimes he needs to light a fire under him. He's one of those kind of guys that, that needs a spark occasionally. But his upside is so through the roof that I just think that he could wind up being one of their best forwards this year for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I was okay. So um, I generally I went so back and forth with who to pick, but I'm choosing Taylor McCarr. I think Taylor last year, you know, he he only scored one goal and he did spend a lot of time in the penalty box, but I think this year he's going to definitely want to prove himself a lot more. Um, I think he's definitely going to still be physical, but hopefully it doesn't end end him up in the penalty box. Um, just even even just seeing like with his brother's success at UMass, I think he's gonna want to kind of do the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that again, when you talk about players with massive upside, like Taylor McCarr has massive upside, and we also talked about hunger earlier. Like Taylor McCarr just watched his brother win a Stanley Cup, <laughs> and he got to stand on the ice and watch his brother hoist the Stanley Cup, and he didn't even want to touch it because he might play in the NHL in the future. Obviously, drafted by the Avalanche, could play with his brother in the future. Like, I don't, like, obviously I'll never know how motivating that is inside the mind, but I imagine it must be super motivating to be standing on the ice and watching that happen and being like, this could be me. Like, I imagine that he probably was already working hard this offseason, 
looking at that probably like took it even to the next level. Like he's, I could really see him like coming into his own this season and being the person that people expect. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's never going to be the person that you all expect when you're looking at his name on the back of the jersey. <laughs> and I think it's unhealthy to make that comparison uh, to Kale McCarr, who's literally one of the best NHL players in the world right now. One of the best hockey players in the world right now could go down like greatness factor top 10. Like Kale McCarr is that good. And I don't think it's really that fair to have all these lofty expectations for Taylor or anybody in college just based on the name on the back of their jersey. But I really think that he's going to come into his own, and I think he's going to be such a good player this season. I think that's a really good pick. I think last year it was his freshman season. It's all new to him, and you also have to remember that everyone's expecting something out of him. It's not healthy, but they were, and it's going to take him time to adjust to playing at UMass and playing with those expectations you know, having to, you know, kind of in a way ignore them, which I don't think I could do <laughs> if I was hearing that constantly. So I give him credit. Um, but I also want to throw out there his only goal last season, while it was only one, was a pretty major goal. It was against UMass Lowell on January 30th um, earlier this year, and he scored the equalizer against them uh, in that third uh, period. Mm-hmm. And then it was Scott Morrow who eventually got the go-ahead goal to win it but he got that equalizer and it was a moment when I think a lot of people kind of took a step back because he had Mm -hmm. he had been quiet he wasn't a solid fixture in the lineup all year and then he comes in he scores that goal so Mm -hmm. wouldn't count him out just yet (laughs) and that was after he got a goal already called back oh he really scored twice in that game like that and to be able to bounce back from that and then score again have your first career goal back on the same day like that was huge for I I think that was huge for his confidence uh, I think that I, I'm between two people right now for my player to watch, but I'm going to, uh, my gut is telling me that we have to watch Jerry Harding. And the reason that I say that is he was voted an assistant captain. That is a team vote thing. Carville and the assistant coaches also get votes. But like if that team has, if the team has that much faith in Jerry Harding, then I have to imagine that something is going to be happening on the ice this year. He could obviously fall into more of that Jake Odette role where his numbers don't jump out a little bit, but his leadership and his physicality does. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who has, like, one of the worst stories. He had to miss the national championship game because he had COVID. Like, he he did not travel to the Frozen Four. And uh, Carson Jasevich and Philip Lindbergh came back for the final game. They missed the semifinal game, and they came back for the final. But he was not allowed to. Like, he had to wait and celebrate when everybody got home. Like, that was so heartbreaking to me, and he hasn't been, like, ever a super main fixture of the lineup. He ended up on the fourth line last year for Mm -hmm. most of it. Uh, He hasn't been, like, that guy that jumps out to you, but something in my gut is telling me that Jerry Harding is a guy that we have to look out for, especially because of the A on his chest. Like, I think that that speaks volumes to how who he is as a person and how much faith the team has in him. I think that that's going to be a confidence booster for him, and I think that he could really turn a lot of heads this year as like an out of nowhere pick. I think that con- I think you're right on with confidence there. Like getting that, you know, he wasn't, you know, again, he wasn't someone last year that you're looking at the offense. You're like, oh yeah, Jerry Harding right there. Like that's that's the offense right there. So, but he's got that A on his chest. It's confidence that the team believes in him, and that the team is like, this guy can do it. So there's, they're clearly seeing something that the public hasn't quite seen yet, that we haven't quite seen yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to make for 
It's going to add to that mystery that we're, we've all been talking about, and it's going to make for an interesting year. Ever since you said Jerry Harding, I think the moment I just think back to his last year, his one goal in hockey ease is <laughs> for every my favorite moment, him throwing in from the net, not touching it, falling it down, and then the player putting it in. <laughs> so hopefully this year he can have a goal where he actually touches the puck. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I hopefully too. I can edit in a video of him doing that <laughs> on top of this because that was a funny moment. But it was like a goal that he so deserved. So I'm really <laughs> glad that it happened. Uh, it happened in the weirdest of ways. And thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. But, Ever since you said his name, it just oh immediately my popped God. in my head. I did forget that. That's yeah. hilarious. He, he earned it, though. He earned it for yep. sure. Uh, let's move on here. We're going to do quick hit superlative predictions. So we are going to all predict a scoring champion, a team MVP, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, two-way player of the year, rookie of the year, and most improved player. So as you can imagine, there's a lot to get into. We're going to go... Uh, we're going to go through the categories one by one and just give our sort of quick hit thoughts on who we chose, why we chose them uh, to be that superlative. So let's start with the scoring champion. Uh, and you know what? Since I've been passing it to you guys every time, I'm going to start to switch things up a little bit because the pacing is getting, you know, as you should. it's getting monotonous. So <laughs> I, my scoring champion I picked was Cal Keefuk. Uh He, everything that I said about Reed Lebster can also basically be transferred to Cal. I think that they are really good together when they're playing together and they're both playing well. Um, and I just think that Cal also has so much upside. He's a senior. I didn't want to do a risky pick and go with one of the freshmen or the sophomores, although I was considering it. Um, I just think that he has the level of pedigree in this offense and he's going to probably be on the top line, so he's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to shine brightly. Uh, and I think that he might end up being the scoring champion. I chose Reed Lebster because, uh, like we said, he think he is definitely going to sc- show up on the scoring sheet even more. And just the plays he makes, I think those plays will definitely turn into goals. Mm-hmm. I also said re- uh, Reed. I'm going to just echo that again. It's stats, but he did have a career high 18 points with nine goals and nine assists last year. Um, he, and that was, you know, it's junior season going into your senior season, more years under your belt. Um, I, and I think with knowing he's one of those top guys is also going to help. He's going to want to help pull the team along, especially a young team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, team MVP. Kayla, what do you think? Um, I chose Scott Morrow. I chose because I think last year, the first half of the season, he had an insane season and he kind of cooled off. And I think this year he's a little more hungry to prove himself. And he's definitely going to show up on the scoring sheet even more. And hopefully he can improve himself defensively to become the team MVP. That's a really good pick. Sophie, what do you got? I went Ryan Upko for this one. I think Ryan Upko was someone who kind of, he, he shined last year, but I also think that he was a little like put to the side because all the focus was on Scott Morrow because he had those really early breakout games. And mm-hmm. I think that Ryan Upko was someone that shouldn't have been compared, that he had his own set of skills. Again, I think you had mentioned it, but he's not so much like as offensive as Scott Morrow plays. But on defense, he contributed tenfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that he's someone that is going to be really key for UMass this year and is someone that last year he was someone to watch. This year I think he's someone we know to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I My pick for team MVP is going to be Eric Fate uh, for two reasons. I know we haven't talked about Faith a lot, but one, he's the captain of UMass hockey mm-hmm. this year. Uh, and the same thing that I said with Jerry Harding, like I don't think that should be taken lightly. And the second reason is, if you're losing Josh Lapina, who was the guy that they had take every face off in the important moments, yeah. 
Now you've got Eric Faith, and he's going to be the guy that takes the faceoffs in important moments. I'm picking him as the team MVP, not because I think he's going to jump out on the score sheet as much. I think he'll have a pretty modest year there. I think his faceoffs are going to jump out, and I think that his leadership is going to jump out. And I think that those are the two things that are going to guide UMass hockey, and that's why I picked him as my team MVP. That is an insanely good pick. Let's go with Defensive Player of the Year. We'll start with you, Sophie. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. I switched it up, so I went with Scott Morrow on this one. I think last year he had those early games, and um, he showed his offensive side. I think this year he's going to want to prove. Like People were saying, like, oh, well, why are you playing? You know, Maybe just move up to offense at that point because he maybe didn't um, show off his defensive skills as much. So I think this year he's really going to want to show, like, well, this is why I'm at this position. This is why I play where I do. I, I love that pick. I think he cheated a little bit in the offensive zone <laughs> last year, and I think he got caught with it. And I think that this year he's, like like you said, I think he's going to be out to prove that is not true and that he is a really good defender. Uh, that's a great pick. Kayla, what do you think? I chose Ryan Ufko. Last year he was already a little defensive, but I think this year, you know, he won't have Matt Kessel, who was was that bigger body. You know, I think with Scott, like, maybe possibly being paired with Scott Morrow. Scott Morrow isn't as defensive, so I think Ryan Ufko is going to step up and be that guy. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I'm going to go with Aaron Bollinger uh, because I think he is their most experienced, like, pure defender in their defensive system. Uh, their defensive system is really what makes them stand out. So they've got freshmen and transfers that I think are going to be really good. But in terms of defense coming right away, I think that he's going to be so consistent this year. And he's going to have a really good year of defense, even if he doesn't show up on the score sheet. I also I also think he's going to get some assists. I think he's going to go back to his freshman year ways of, of being a puck-moving defenseman as well. But defensively, uh, I, I really think that he's going to stand out a lot. What was that crazy Colin Felix stat from last year when he scored like his first goal and it was, was it like two, eighty games yeah or eighty something games like or something uh, or maybe it was like fifty games in like eight hundred days like it was an absolutely ridiculous stat uh, but Bollinger scores the goals when they matter a that's, lot that, that the is national true. championship the hockey East championship like he true. just scored he has an eye for the net when it really matters most <laughs> uh, let's move on here let's talk about offensive player of the year and I believe it's my turn to go first again. So I'm going to say Cole O'Hara, a uh, freshman, and it could it could blow up in my face to pick a freshman as that, but I really think he's that good offensively. I don't think he's like going to be at the level where he can jump in and immediately being the scoring champion or immediately be the team MVP, but I think he's going to bring something so special to the offense uh, that I think they're... I think they're going to start running through him on that second line just as much. Kind of like I'm, I'm envisioning kind of like how the second line provided so much scoring in the national championship when it was Bobby, Garrett Waite, and Josh Lapina. Uh, I'm sort of envisioning something like that where he like really plays a huge role in that offense, even though he's going to be on the second or third line. Uh, so that's my pick for Offensive Player of the Year. I chose Cal. I think he last year on the second line he was so visible, and I think this year it's only gonna get better. I think he's gonna want to prove himself. Like we've all said that the seniors are gonna want to prove themselves. So I think he's definitely gonna be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna go with Matt Koopman on this one. Uh, played for Providence. He has experience in hockey East, and he has scored against UMass. He is known for that. So I I do think that. Um, knowing the league and knowing maybe how at least Providence plays and knowing the other being aware of the other teams already is um, gonna play to his advantage. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be my pick right now. Love that pick. I love that pick. I really I could see that happening for sure. Coming in transfer, oh, making making plays happen. 
Hey, it happens. Only one doesn't choose a new guy. You know, you know. I think there's there's merit to doing both ways. I'm glad that I'm glad that you chose Cal so that we can have some sort of balance there. I I, I was think Cal, it was Cal and Matt for me. I was mm -hmm. between the two, but I, you went Cal. I, I I decided to take you know take someone different. All right, let's move on to two way player of the year now. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kayla? Um, I guess it's my turn to choose a new player. I'm choosing <laughs> Kenny Connors. Um, he offensively at the USHL was already insane, and um, his defense is a little bit off, but also in the back end they do say he is good and that he is gr he does have grit so and that he does steal puck so it'll be interesting to see mm -hmm. uh this one um i was a little stuck on i don't know i think there's a lot of great choices one that i remember carville specifically talking about him as a two-way player was elliot mcdermott um from colgate mm -hmm. um he can shoot from the blue line which i think is something they uh, that UMass needs. They they got some. They were pretty successful when they took those shots from far out, and when they were quick on the. You know they can they can do their setup plays, but they can also just fire those shots off, and it kind of catches a lot of teams off guard. So I think if Elliot McDermott can do that from the blue line, I, I think that's a huge plus. I love that. I th I guess we're going three defensemen here because <laughs> this is where I put Ryan Ufko. Uh, this is where. I decide to slide him in. I think he's going to be one of the best defensive players, and I think that he's also going to be one of the best offensive players. Uh, I don't envision him scoring a ton of goals. I think maybe like the the six to ten range goal scoring, but assists is going to be where he jumps out. Uh, moving the puck probably to Scott Morrow on the power play, as we saw a million times last year. He gets a lot of assists that way, uh, just from the power play being the guy that sort of moves it to the goal. Like, he doesn't score the goals, but he's a super important part in creating them. Uh, and then when we already talk about like his defensive prowess, I just think that both ways he's going to be the guy for them in terms of like the, the standard that Carve sets with his two-way defenseman. Uh, let's talk about Rookie of the Year now. This one is a bit more unanimous with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, get, I think it's uh, my turn to start this one off. So mm -hmm. uh, Cole O'Hara. Um, I think I'm pretty sure that's what everyone else uh, is thinking on this one uh, for uh, Rookie of the Year, but he's just got so much hype behind him right now coming into the season. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's got size. He can skate. He contributes offensively. He can make plays and score. Like That's the impact that UMass needs up, up top, and I think that that's where he's going to come in. Mm-hmm. Shocking. I chose the same one, but I think he's, he's going to be the one to make the impact right away. And just with kind of like I said earlier, like he's the definition of like a person that Carve wants with developing so slowly. And I think he'll be really, really good. Yeah, I'm also going with Cole O'Hara. I was going to switch at the last minute and go Noah Ellis. Uh, but I think that Cole O'Hara is the one that they need to be the rookie of the year the most because their forward group is such a mystery and their defensive group is like going to be sound. So I definitely think he's going to end up being like the most important rookie in this lineup. And then last one here, most improved player. I will jump it off again. I'm going to say Taylor McCarr. Uh, for all the reasons that we've already talked about Taylor, I think he's like really going to make a jump from year one to year two. I guess skating is going to look really good. I think that he has that goal scoring ability and he also has versatility because he can play the wing or center. So whatever UMass needs him to do, I could see him being the uh, like second-line center or a third-line wing, depending on what they need most, uh, depending on how they feel about Lucas Mercury being that second center. Uh, 
Like, I just think that he can play anywhere, and it, at his best, he has a lot of potential. So if he capitalizes on that, I think he's going to be the most improved for year one, year one to year two. I chose the same one. I chose the number guy, too. Um, I, would, I would be shocked if, you know, last year he had one goal. I think this year he's going to at least have to have five goals. Like, And he, mm-hmm. I think he will be at least on the second or third line. Like, he's definitely going to be there. Uh, I went a little different in this pick. I actually went with Ryan Lautenbach for this one. Um, I think he showed a lot of promise last year. He earned trust pretty quickly, and the one thing he was widely renowned for was speed. He's fast on offense, um, uh, but I think what we what he needed was more composure, more confidence with the puck up front. It's not just getting forward. It's what to do with it after you get it. Um, and I really think that during this offseason, having this time to kind of evolve and from yeah i think the jump from year one to year two is going to be certainly significant yeah ryan lautenbach was going to be my second pick if i had it he like like you said the speed is unmatched if he adds to his offensive game that is it's just going to be beautiful to watch Mm -hmm. honestly uh and i can really envision uh ryan Ufko being in the defensive zone and just launching a pass (laughs) down the ice to to ryan lautenbach and just getting behind the defense and using that speed that happened a couple times last Mm -hmm. year especially Bobby, when Bobby was playing with Lucas Mercury and Ryan Lautenbach, you saw a lot of Bobby just throwing the puck down the ice and finding the stick of Lautenbach, but he just didn't always convert those. I think if he gets behind the defense, he's going to have a much more lethal sort of breakaway attempt than he did last year. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to show up as like how many goals Lautenbach gets this year, but I think we could see his assists keep tallying and tallying and tallying up because if he can get behind that line, find someone stationed right in front, like, like, you need someone like Josh who was stationed right in front of mm-hmm. that net and who would just tuck it in. You need someone else who's going to now do that to aid Lautenbach on forward. Honestly, mm-hmm. every time Lautenbach was on the ice last year, I was so convinced he could score. Like, <laughs> his shots were, it looked like they could go in at any time. Yeah, he. I remember, like, the first or second game of the season being like, Ryan Lautenbach just took eight shots. <laughs> like, I think one of the games against AIC, he took eight shots on goal. And I was like, wow. Like that's crazy. That, that like he just that he was able to get that many attempts. So like like you said and like we all said like if he can capitalize on those, that's going to be so huge. Uh, let's let's move on now to our final segment of the day. We're going to talk about the expectations for UMass this season in Hockey East and nationally. So they are ranked number two in Hockey East uh, in the coaches poll and uh, by proxy in the USCHO poll because they're ranked number ten nationally and they're the second highest ranked hockey east team uh behind northeastern uh so i just wanted to get you guys' thoughts like everybody's thoughts what what do we think that this team can do let's start in hockey east what do we think they can do where do we think they're going to end up at the end of the regular season and what do we think they can do in the tournament i think they're at least a top five team i do not i don't think they'll be in the top three but i think top five i think because they are young they will need to gain that experience and that might happen later on in the season okay okay their biggest challenge to make an impact in hockey east is going to be in those games against northeastern because you got to score mm-hmm. and you got to score on that goaltender you got to score on Devin Levy, and that is not a easy task at hand to do so so i think if you want to prove that you can um, compete with these high-level teams, it, it starts right in your own co- division, mm-hmm. right in your own conference. And Northeastern's going to be right there, along with the other – like, every conference game is so important. But I really do think the ones against Northeastern are going to be the ones that show the most for UMass. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Northeastern games are going to be tough. They did 
blow the doors yes. off Northeastern in one game. It was like the Devin Levi's only bad game of the year happened to be against UMass, <laughs> uh, where he got pulled after like 17 minutes or something stupid like that. I remember um, it was like, and there were no fans at that point for Northeastern because yeah. it was still it was early in the season. So and but we had traveled to that game, and I remember just sitting there in this empty stadium. <laughs> you have no one saying anything because it's dead. Like you could hear a pin drop except for the ice, and it's just UMass throwing every shot possible at the net and they're all going in um but that every other game that season i think he added out for umass after that one because uh he was he was hungry for the rest of that season that was notably i think cam donaldson's only goal of the year for umass was (laughs) on devin levi so i think that levi is an incredible goalie i think he's not only going to be the best goalie in college hockey i think he's like the odds on favorite to win the hobie baker award uh just an insane talent and I'm not trying to imply that he's just going to be able to be scored on by anybody, but like there is that hope that lingers in people's heads of like, if Cam Donaldson scores his only career goal against Devin Levi, or his only UMass goal, I should say, against Devin Levi, like that opens up the door for some people to be able to break through. Uh, and granted, it was a bad game, but there's there's still options there. In terms of what I think that UMass can do in Hockey East, I actually think that the preseason prediction is pretty spot on i think they're probably going to finish second right behind northeastern uh there's like a couple teams that i that come to my mind that can sort of creep up on them really three teams i think bu uconn and umass lowell could all very well take that two spot like the the top four or five is going to be so so close in hockey's this year i think northeastern's definitely going to take the the top spot uh because of levi but there's so much room for the other teams. I do think, though, that UMass having all this experience uh, in the coaching, even if they don't have as much in players, like they have experience being on top. They have experience like winning Hockey East. And I think that that's going to really guide them a lot. And I think that that's going to help them be the top, be in the top two in Hockey East. And uh, they, could, they could definitely finish third, fourth, fifth. Like I, there's so many teams that are good. And it's hard to pick, but I'm I'm gonna say that they're probably a second place team in hockey East. I'm also gonna throw in there, and this isn't even an advertisement, but some of the best games that UMass played conference wise last season were when Lone Center was packed. Mm-hmm. They like to show up when there's fans in that in that arena, and I think that because it brings like they're cheering, they everything going on. I think that's what is gonna ha- need to happen for conference play. This is a f- new team that needs confidence that Mm -hmm. needs to build that confidence and getting those people in that arena is going to be key especially for those big absolutely okay so let's flash forward to march uh the regular season ends they're in (laughs) nice nice shout out to sophie's birthday which is in march can't help it Um, it's a good month (laughs) i suppose i didn't know that no uh it's fine (laughs) what a friend so (laughs) (laughs) sorry but in any case so we've predicted the regular season uh how far do you guys think that UMass hockey could make it in the Hockey East tournament? What do we, where do we see, how do we see that playing out? I'm going to start with you, Sophie. How do you see this playing out? I think first and foremost, they can make it far. They could even win it if they figure out goaltending. Mm-hmm. I think everywhere else you have the power. We know defense is going to be solid. You have multiple forwards that we're all very excited to see that we that had superlatives for most of the top names and that mm-hmm. there were more that we didn't have an exact title for that we know are going to show up on that ice. Um, but I think where that real mystery and where that real weakness is that, that you mentioned earlier was goaltending is they don't, you know, if Luke has a bad game, we don't know 
anything about Cole. We don't mm-hmm. know how he's going to do it now. And he's not he's not coming from a school with the most uh, the highest uh, reputation there for uh, for hockey. Sounds so. like Arizona State Hate Club right now. Not an Arizona State Hate Club. <laughs> they have great uniforms, should say. Okay. I love their say uniforms. Uniforms. Hate Club. Sick you like uniforms. their uniforms. Um, I, I just think that in that regard, it has to start with your goaltending before you can even look towards winning mm-hmm. um, a hockey championship. Because they can do it. With, they have the skill. That's the one area I'm not sure they have it. Yeah, it, and it's it's pretty hard to win without a goalie, I should yes. say. Kayla, what are you thinking postseason-wise for Hockey East? I think they'll make it far if they – like Sophie said, goaltender, I'm saying that they can figure out the lines. I know last year the lines were so up and down with injuries and other factors, and like we mm-hmm. never really knew exactly what a line was going to be. I think if they can find that chemistry with each line, they'll make it far. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to figure out both those things, and I don't think the goaltending – might not necessarily be the best, but I think that by that point in the season, they will hopefully at least know what they're going to get out of it and what they need to do if the defense needs to play a little bit harder defense and and uh, be less offensive-minded, then that's just the way it goes. Uh, I envision, I think they're going to finish second in hockey East in the regular season, but I envision them losing in the semifinal round. Mm-hmm. I cannot see them losing in the quarterfinals. They're going to have that as a home game. Uh, because they're going to be in the top four, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> so they're going to have that as a home game, and I think that they could really beat any anybody lower than five. Uh, so I definitely think they're going to make it to the TD Garden again, but I think that they might lose in the semifinal round uh, because, like like we were already saying, like there's so many good teams in Hockey East, like, and people are hungry. I have to imagine that BU Hockey is hungry to be <laughs> back to what it was forever. BU and BC were always number one and number two. BC, I think, is going to be in a rebuilding year, so I'm not including them in this conversation. But BU specifically, I think they're going to be hungry. And I think that if UMass runs into BU in the hockey semifinals, I think UMass loses that game. The one game BC will be hungry during is that uh, frozen Fenway one. (laughs) No one wants to go home from Fenway as the loser for that. Yeah, uh, you're already cold enough as it is. You might as well go out there and get a win. (laughs) Uh, yeah, mid, what is that, January? Like, January 7th. Freezing, we'll be freezing. <laughs> Get the winter yeah. coats. Uh, hopefully Fenway Park has heated spots for us available. Uh, I don't know what the press situation is going to look like there, so let's just hope it's something good. I'm going to bring a massive heater. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about nationally. What? Where do we think – I want to have us each predict, like, a number ranking for them at the end of the uh, hockey's playoffs – um, for nationally, and then what we think they can do in the NCAA tournament. I'm assuming we all think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Is that a good baseline? Yes, we do. Uh, definitely think they're all going to make it. So let's just throw out those predictions. And since I'm being uh, bad and putting these two on the spot, I'm going to go first with what I think about this. <laughs> Thank gosh. I think that they're going to end up being a four seed. I think that's the range that I'm going. I think they could sneak into a three seed at like number 12. Uh, but I think that 12 to 16 is probably where they end up. And I'm going to say they end up 13th or 14th overall after Hockey East is all said and done. And obviously if they win in the semifinals and uh, make it to the finals and potentially win the Hockey's finals, that number changes. But since I predicted them to lose in the semifinal round, uh, I think what would match that is probably like a 14 ranking where they just end up as a four seed. Uh, probably still closer to home because the the tournament likes to schedule teams close to home if they can. We saw last year UMass had a huge draw in Worcester. Almost all the fans were for UMass. 
um, because they were so close. So I think that that's going to happen again. I don't think the four seed is going to be a ton, a big risk for them to end up in like Pennsylvania uh, or Colorado or <gasps> no, no, North Dakota is the furthest regional uh, for this year. I don't think they're going to end up in either of those two places. I do think they're going to end up in Connecticut or New Hampshire, uh, one of those two. But I think they're going to be a four seed, and I think that. They're probably not a team that's going to shock the world and top a one seed. So if they end up being a four seed, I think they're, that's probably where the road ends for them. I, I think I'm going to, listening to your reasoning, uh, I think I got to agree that it's going to be like 13th, 14th nationally. Mm-hmm. I think 10th is going off of last year's win mm-hmm. in that hockey's championship, but you got a lot of guys leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that you got to kind of leave some room for a little drop there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to agree with you on that one. I agree with the four seed. I think I also think that seeing Denver will be a test for them to also yeah. see they'll be a four seed mm-hmm. because if they can't even keep it close to Denver, then definitely a four seed. The only thing with Denver is that it was opening. Yeah, that's true. You're that's not, true. You, like they were, they had they struggled their opening games last season and still won Hockey East. So I, I think that. It's hard to say, like, right then and there, that's mm-hmm. going to be the moment, like, to see if they can do it. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be a huge test because it's also the first time we're tr- – besides, like, yes, there's an exhibition game, but that's, like – that's there's nothing on the line there. Yeah. you got something on the line in this game, and that's when we're going to see some of these newer guys and yeah. see what they're capable of. Yeah, along, along those lines, I think Denver is definitely a little bit too early to tell. I'm hoping that when they travel to Wisconsin for that holiday face-off in December – I'm hoping that Wisconsin beats Lake Superior State in their first game and that UMass beats Clarkson so that we can see UMass versus Wisconsin. I think that will be the real tell. It's going to be midseason. It's going to be kind of like the Michigan series that they played during the holiday break, except not as bad because Michigan was a absolute powerhouse at that time. They were number one in the country. They had so many good players uh, that they had at their disposal. And I think that that wasn't as good of a test for UMass as this Wisconsin will be because Wisconsin's not going to be one of the top teams in the country, but they're certainly going to be a really good hockey team. Yeah. So I I have December 29th marked on my calendar as if UMass beats Clarkson and if Wisconsin beats Lake Superior State. I think that'll be such a good test for them to find out where where they stand, and that'll give us a really good idea of where they could end up nationally for sure. I think you also got to, if you're talking about that, that one, you also got to give a shout out to the Friendship Four. They're going to North Northern Ireland, playing in Belfast, um, r- right during Thanksgiving week. So got to yeah. give a little shout out to that they, one. They're too. going a lot of fun places. Hopefully we're able to make it to most of those fun places. <laughs> Cross but, my fingers. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Collegiate Sports Podcast. Uh, I think that we did a lot of good hockey talk, really broke down all of, all of the expectations for UMass hockey. Uh, and I think that, This is a really good place to end it. So I am going to sign us off, Kayla and Sophie. It was great to have you. Hopefully we're doing more of these during the season. Might also squeeze Joey in for a little bit if we can. Uh, But that's all.